The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus spoke to the crowds about the kingdom of God. And he healed those who needed to be cured. As the day was drawing to a close, the twelve approached him and said, Dismiss the crowd so that they can go to the surrounding villages and farms and find lodging and provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. He said to them, Give them some food yourselves. They replied, Five loaves and two fish are all we have, unless we ourselves go and buy food for all these people. Now the men there numbered about 5,000. Then he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50. They did so and made them all sit down. Then, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing over them, broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. They all ate and were satisfied. And when the leftover fragments were picked up, They filled 12 wicker baskets. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Praise God, what a glorious day. So again, remember, after uh, after, after Mass, we're going to... we have the Bombard family. They got us as, as all those donuts that Amy announced. Please, you guys, you guys will help us eat it out. We're all going to eat it all together. Okay, any leftovers, I'm going to take home and stuff my face. So if you don't want me to get diabetes, so please eat us, join us in the hall or after as we celebrate Colby's first Holy Communion. Praise God. But before we dive into these amazing readings on this beautiful feast of Corpus Christi, as we celebrate the most body, the most holy body and blood of our Lord, uh, just a, a, a little announcement. As many of you may have heard, it was all over the news, but there was a tragedy in, in Portola right there, not too far from the parish. There was a house fire, a single mom and her teenage son. They lost their home in a fire, and there's other layers of this whole story. It's a tragedy. If, if you want the details, it was all over the news, and it's on the Plumas County Sheriff website as well. The, the horrific details of, of that whole situation, it's, it's just heart-wrenching. And so when, that, when the news broke, I thought, what can we do to move the needle? Right. Remember, as Christians, we always strive to move the needle of any situation, even though we can't stop the world's problems. But we can move the needle, can't we? Every single one of us, we can move the needle closer to heaven rather than hell. And so I asked, how can we move the needle? And so we, still have, we had about $12,000 left over from our wildfire relief fund that we had collected. Remember, we collected over $40,000. And we had 12000 left over. So I called our biggest donor who gave 10000 out of the 40000 I said, brother, we got a situation in Portola. This horrific, this horrific fam- uh, situation that family is enduring. I said, do you mind if I redirect some of the funds for them? And he said, of course. And so I wrote uh, the Taylor family a nice check on behalf of the parish. I said, on behalf of Holy Family and Holy Rosary, I know this little monetary gift 
will never heal what your family is going through, but it's just a little something. So, so on behalf of in your name, I wrote them a $5,000 check, and, and we sent it to the family. Again, um, it's because of your generosity of the whole thing, we're able to do something like that. So uh, if you want more details of that whole situation, why my heart was moved to help them. I think, I think you say, Father, why don't you give more? Because <laughs> it's such a, it's a horrible situation, tragedy, in fact. So pray for the Taylor family. Again, we're moving the needle, even if incrementally. We've got to move the needle. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever we read sacred scripture, there's always, there's always should be a question that we have in our minds. It is the lens by which we read everything, especially about our faith. And the lens, whenever we read all of these beautiful readings, is why? God, why? Because every, think about it, okay, the God who created this, this magnificent universe we inhabit, every minute detail, the intricacies, it's mind-blowing as we study the universe. This same God now <laughs> unfolds salvation history. And so every minute detail of God in the scriptures has profound meaning and significance. And so, for all of us, we ask, God, why? Why I love our Catholic faith. I absolutely love this, this faith of ours. Not just because I'm a priest. No, even if I wasn't a priest. I would love the beauty of the Catholic Church regardless. And this beautiful pivotal doctrine, which is the source and summit of our faith, is that at every single altar, at every single Mass, no matter where we go in the world, Jesus is present, hidden in bread and wine. Why? Why? Why this radical teaching? Because, by the way, this, this teaching, the central doctrine of, of our faith, is what separates us from, sadly, from our Protestant brothers and sisters. Because when we speak about the Eucharist, they, they say no. They, they, since the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century with Martin Luther, this is sadly one of the dividing points that separates our families. Because they don't see the reality of the Eucharist. They see it's simply symbolic. That it's, it's just something that we do. But we take it up a notch. It's Jesus. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. Why? <laughs> See, always oh, a question. God, why that detail? We are created in God's image and likeness. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. What is God? God is a communion of persons. God is love itself, a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all eternity. That's what God is. God is love. And then... Love, by its very nature, wants to share itself, doesn't it? Love wants to expand. Love wants to grow. What love wants to, 
wants, the, wants everyone to share in it. So he creates us. Poof. Humanity, I want you to share in this love. And then what happens? He creates Adam and Eve, our first parents. And then that love is ruptured by original sin. And we all know this. And in that rupture of original sin, that bond of love between us and God was, was separated. And then what happens next? And we see this beautifully in the first reading today. The story back in Genesis, the beginning. Abram says that he gives, at the last line, he gives a tenth of his income back to God. Again, now with that lens that I laid out in the beginning. Why? Is God broke? Does God need to pay rent? Why does God need our money? Is God like the mafia boss where you got to pay him off in order he doesn't be mean to us? Again, again, question is, why part of the very beginning we were required to give a tenth of our income back to God? Or now how, we, how it works out for us whenever the collection basket comes by you, we put money in. Why? Because I need money to buy fried chicken. That's true, by the way. Because what happens in Genesis when that rupture of our relationship with God is broken, what do we do? We attempt to fill that gaping hole with the things of the world, right? Again, look at, look at your life story. Look at your life story. You want to sum it up as an attempt to find love to find peace, to find joy out there apart from God. That's the story of humanity. It's the story of the, uh, of the Jewish people. It's the story for the last 2,000 years of Christian history. It is our attempt to find happiness apart from God. And we know how that story ends. I'm left more hungry more thirsty. And I live this frustrating life because like, I keep getting more and more, yet I'm not happy. Why? Oh, because I'm made in the image of the Trinity. I asked one of our parishioners, he goes to Mass mostly in Portola, but he helps out for our 24 adoration. Many of us know him, Dan Gallagher. The Gallagher's. He took me out to dinner on, a couple of days ago, went to Rico's in downtown Portola, right there. I said, brother, tell me about your faith in the Eucharist. Because his life changed here a couple months ago. I said, tell me more about it. He says, all right, Father, I'll take you out to dinner. And if you ever want anything from me, just, just feed me. I'll do anything you want, by the way. <laughs> I'm easy. Okay. And he said as, as he was kneeling here, he was never accustomed to adoration. And like for many of us Catholics, we grew up hearing, oh, Jesus in the Eucharist, Jesus in the Eucharist. We hear that all day long. But never quite clicks sometimes. It takes, takes a lifetime. And he says as he was kneeling here in this kneeler, our Lord present in, in the monstrance, he began to describe what happened to him. He says as he was kneeling here, he said the walls of this church exploded out. Just it just disappeared. Just whoo. And he said, I felt I was just in this vast 
space. I said, give me an image, brother. Give me because this is this is poetic language, so I, I need a hardcore image. He says, I felt like I was in this big expanse of of of, of a desert of land. I said, how about and I, and I recommend how about the image of the Pacific Ocean? Yes. I felt like I was on a little boat in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And I was surrounded by this vastness. And he says, I was sitting there. I saw the vastness of God encompassed in that little host. And he says he, he, he had to put his head down because he began to tremble in fear and awe. And he, and he began to see, like, oh my gosh, God, it's you. Happened right here with this kneeler in our little church of Loyalton. Population, 1,200. Life changed forever. I asked another parishioner of ours, Zoe, over here. (laughs) Because she converted from Protestantism to Catholicism a couple years ago, and I was blessed to receive her into the church. And I said, Zoe, why? The priest here in Laurelton and Portola is long-winded and talks about the same stuff all the time. Why are you here, Zoe? And she says, it's the Eucharist. And I asked her, tell me about the Eucharist. This is what she said. Hi, Father, I had to think about this. It's actually very simple. God has increased my faith little by little. No big aha moment. Since my conversion two years ago, I just try to contemplate deeper the mystery of Christ in the Eucharist. I used to think this, mis- this was a mystery, was something we could never understand and thus not try to figure out. But God has shown me that rather it is something he will continually reveal to me, little by little. That which each small act of faith he reveals more. And I especially experienced this in adoration. It's the only place I have found true peace without understanding. Where the time passes as though hours are minutes. I gaze at Christ in the host. And I simply ask him to increase my unbelief. In which my human mind is constrained. I hope that helps. It's been a spiritually hard year for me. But without the Eucharist, I know I would have left my faith behind. But where else are we to go if we have Christ? Ah, I love the brutal honesty of that. Jesus in the Eucharist. I shared over the years my my own vocation story about when God revealed to me himself in the Eucharist. I was a junior at Davis. You know, when you're a young man, you're, you're always trying to find love 
Because what are we told? And we fall into this romantic idea that if I just find the right person, then I'll be happy. And we all kind of presume that. If I just find that, that right woman, that right man, oh, then I'll finally be happy. That gaping hole that I have right here will finally be satisfied by the love of this person. I mean, you could be a supermodel, you could be the richest man on earth. Oh gosh, you think, oh, if I, if I just find that person, then finally, I won't feel so alone. Oh, we search for it, don't we? All of us do. We search desperately to be loved. We try to find it, right? We're so hungry for it. So we search and search and search. And then I told you the story, the, uh, this, this, the boldness of Leslie. She says, we were just starting to hang out. We weren't quite dating yet. Oh, but in your mind, ah, oh, she was perfect. Ah, huh? oh, you're the girl I'm going to marry. I thought to myself, huh? Because we all have a list of qualities of the perfect person we'll have. And she says, oh, you want to go to adoration to me, with me? I said, okay. I went because she was pretty. Not because I was some devout Catholic boy. I said, no, I, th- I thought to myself, this is my strategy, my scheming strategy. I said, oh, if I go with her to church, to adoration, she'll think I was holy, and then I can worm my way into her heart, and then I can, I can, I can just, uh, I'll conquer her, right? <laughs> but somebody else conquered me that day. As we were in adoration, the, the chapel at the Newman Center at Davis, it's not too far off campus, there's a few blocks. It's about this size, in fact. Church was packed with young people. Father David Fontaine processed in, and I was in the very back pew and was sitting down the main aisle, and he brushed past me as he carried Jesus in the monstrance to put on the altar. And I, and I wept. Just cried. And I stared at I stared at Jesus in the hose. I said, Oh, Jesus, it's you. And as I was thinking about the story in preparation for this homily, I, I asked you, I said, Jesus, why did you give me faith in the Eucharist at that time period? Why then? Why not some other time? And I felt the Lord say to me in prayer, He says, I gave you the gift of faith in the Eucharist. On that day, when you were a junior at UC Davis, because I wanted to show you that love you were looking for in her, in Leslie, that girl who invited you to adoration, that that love you were trying to find in her and place on her shoulders, that love is me. I am the one you have been looking for. I am the one your heart yearns for. And I will give you myself completely. In the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord at every single Mass. You see, when our Lord, beautifully in the Gospel today, when he feeds the hungry crowds, look at them, the crowds pressing on our Lord. Jesus, feed us. Jesus, heal us. Look at them, they're hungry and thirsting. And our Lord, in that famous story, he transforms the loaves and the fish and he multiplies it. And look what happens. Look what happens when our Lord, when we allow our Lord in. 
says that the leftover fragments fill 12 wicker baskets. It means that our Lord will satisfy the deepest desires of our hearts with overflowing abundance. He will blow our minds far more than anything this world can give. And so, as I end this beautiful, on this beautiful feast day of the body and blood of our Lord, I want every single one of us to pray, especially Colby here as he begins his Holy Communion. First time. I want us now to give Jesus Christ permission to give us that faith. You say, Jesus, all right, Jesus, you, you throw down the gauntlet. You say it's you. Is it you? Are you really present here? This is hard teaching. This teaching here has separated your church. This teaching here caused the people to leave you in Scripture. John 6, verse 66. John 666, by the way. The only time anybody leaves Jesus over one of his teachings is over the Eucharist. Jesus, is it really you? All right, Lord, I give you permission now to give me that faith. If it's you. Why do I say that? Book of Revelation, our Lord himself says, I stand at the door and knock. Meaning, I will only come into your life if you give me permission. And so this morning, let's give Jesus permission. Let's let him in. And let him do what he wills. And he will change our life.